0: Macworld Podcast, number 444, for February 10th, 2015, brought to you by Igloo, an intranet you'll actually like. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and with me, of course, is Suzy Oaks. Hey, Susie. Hey, Chris. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Um, I wanted to start off with kind of the big thing that Apple did last week, which is, well, it's a big deal for some people because some people could actually use it and some people can't and that is the beta of photos that came out with the beta of os 10 .10 10.10.3 so this is available to developers but not to regular folks and um as bundled with that is photos and we've been looking at it quite a bit um in the last several days so um i've been covering it so i know a ton about it, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it.
1: Yes, you've written some great articles about this. We've got the the first look, which was really detailed. You also wrote some stuff about getting the library in order for, you know, your eventual upgrade. And then um, you put up a really good kind of FAQ with some uh, reader questions that people had sent in.
0: Yeah, so uh, because I've been kind of entrenched in the thing, I haven't, I'm not sure that I've taken the long view yet about how I actually feel about this. So what do you think? I mean, having read some of this stuff and, and seen some overviews both at Macworld and other places, what do you think? Does this sound like a good thing?
1: Well, I am a total iPhoto hater. Oh, I really, good. <laughs> yeah, iPhoto is just a mess. I try not to launch it. Um, When it does launch, I'm like, no, no, don't import things, don't sync my iCloud, like, don't do anything. Um, Because it just, it brings my Mac to its knees every time. So I was really looking forward to, to getting my hands on this thing. I haven't downloaded it yet. I'm in the iOS developer program, but not in the Mac developer program. So I gotta fix that and then I can try it. But um, right now I'm just, uh, I'm in the same boat our readers are in, um, you know, trying to find out as much as I can about it and looking forward to it because I never sprang for Aperture. I was always kind of considering it but I think it was $99 for a while. So I just didn't pull the trigger and then they said it was going away and I was like, okay, good, I'll just wait for this photos.
0: So, so wh- how do you manage your photos now? Oh, I kind of don't, um, <laughs> okay.
1: I sing, I back everything up to Dropbox mm-hmm. and you know, like the ones I like, I'll post to Instagram from my phone or something, but I don't do that much with most of my photos. They're mostly just sitting in my Dropbox just sitting there, and they're not really organized. I mean, they're organized by dates. So if I remember when something happened, I can go back and find one, but it's not, you know, I know they're all backed up, but I don't have a great way to do things with them. So um, Lisa Snyder reviewed MyLeo recently, and she's also written a lot about Lightroom. So I was just kind of still mulling my options. I wanted to see what Apple would come up with because I like, you know, the integration and how everything would be on my Apple TV, on my iPad, on my iPhone, on all my Macs. And so you know, if Apple's solution was good, then I could just stop my search, but um yeah, I, my photos are kind of a mess. I take tons of them and they all just sort of sit in folders.
0: Right, and I think that's what the promises of Photos is that this is really the first app that was part of the iLife suite that really brings together all parts of the Apple experience so that If you're editing on your iPad, for example, you make an edit and it automatically populates to anything else that's using photos. So that's on OS X, it would be on your iPhone, uh, and on iCloud. So when that part of the experience is implemented, you can make an edit anywhere, and it appears anywhere else you are. So that allows you the ability not only to take pictures and share them from wherever you are, but also edit them and get that stuff out. And you can share the edited versions with other people as well. The test system I'm using is a Retina Display 15 inch MacBook Pro, which is a pretty darn fast machine. And the library I've been using has several thousand images in it. So you talked about the performance issues with iPhoto, and I think that's been a problem for people forever. Whenever Steve Jobs came out and announced a new version of iPhoto, he'd say, yes, and we've optimized performance. And then people would throw like 50,000 images at it, and it would go creak, 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 and not so good. Um, What I've seen so far is that the performance really is so much better, that things just move very quickly. But again, I'm on a super fast Mac running a beta version of 10.10.3. Um, and by the way, I can talk about this because I was briefed by Apple um, versus um, me breaking NDA or something like that. So it, it's okay for me to do this. Um, so performance is key. Again, I haven't thrown 100,000 images at it to see what that's going to do. And it's a beta, so it isn't really fair to say at this point whether that's going to accurately reflect its performance when it finally comes out. What people are going to be concerned about, I think, is that photos came out or was announced at the same time alpha said we're no longer going to support aperture and i think people who are serious aperture users then thought well then it better replace every feature of aperture or i'm going to feel disappointed here's the um here's the giveaway you're going to be disappointed because it's not <laughs> the same thing as aperture and really it's not meant to be i think the fact that aperture went away at the same time uh, makes it seem like there should be linkage but there really isn't Apple hasn't supported Aperture for years and years and years, and most pro shooters have moved away by this point anyway. Either gone to Lightroom or they've gone to some other professional tool that costs a couple of hundred bucks uh, and have left Aperture behind. Naturally, there are going to be people who have workflows that are based entirely in Aperture. They're going to be reluctant to move away, but it's kind of like moving away from Apple Works. You're going to have to move eventually. It's going to continue to work. And you can continue to re-download copies of it. But once Photos goes live, you won't be able to purchase a new copy or a new license of Aperture. So current users can re-download, but new users will not be able to get a copy. So I'm just saying kind of at this point, because when you migrate an Aperture library to something like Lightroom, your adjustments don't migrate with them, if you continue throwing images into Aperture now and continue doing a lot of heavy editing, you're just making more work for yourself later on. Aperture is a great app, but it's dead. And um, I think you can rail against that and be very unhappy about it, and that's fine. But ultimately, <laughs> you're going to have to do something else. So maybe it's time to think about doing that sooner rather than later. Um, otherwise, what do I like about this thing? I think the organization. Um, when you first launch it, when it comes out, you'll see that it looks a bit like iTunes 12. And for some people, that may sound like poison because they don't like the iTunes 12 experience. In this case, however, I think they managed to slim down the interface, but it's still very clear how to use it, unlike iTunes 12, which is sometimes unclear because obviously it does fewer things than iTunes 12 does. But one of the nice things about it, it has a sidebar that you can always expose. So unlike in iTunes, you don't get into a situation where... The sidebar sometimes appears and other times it doesn't. It can always be there and it will feel very much like iPhoto. And then there's the editing adjustments. Do you edit much when you work with photos or you just sort of throw them in there? and
1: A little bit. I mean, I know. do, you know, like the basic cropping and, you know, sometimes lighten things or fix red eye. I don't do a ton of editing, but a little bit here and there.
0: Okay. So this is going to be great for you because. Yeah. Um, they have these simple controls now, which may seem like they're really dumb, but actually under the surface, they're incredibly smart. The idea is that when you select an image and then edit it, you'll see like a light slider. That's actually a thumbnail and you just drag a thing across the side and you may think, oh, well, all I'm going to do is change exposure using this thing, but it's not true. When you adjust to make something lighter, it's actually changing about six other things under the surface that you don't have to choose to see. So... For example, if you take a picture of somebody against a bright background, invariably, unless you use fill flash, they're going to be dark in the foreground, and the background is going to be light, and you won't really see much of their face. Right. If you take this lightened slider and move it to the right, instead of if, you were, if that were just an exposure slider, everything would get brighter. So yes, the face would come out, but then the background's completely blown out, and you've got a rotten image. So what it does is instead, it will lighten the foreground subject. And it will keep the background the same brightness or it will actually darken it a little bit by adjusting a highlight slider down the other way so you can save some images and that's a typical case that otherwise you would have said well that's lousy and you would have adjusted exposure and say well it's still lousy and you throw it away so this is an opportunity for people who don't do a lot of heavy editing to save some images that actually could be pretty good if you use these smart controls if you want to dig down You can, so you flip a little triangle and down come those six adjusters. Then you can get into the kind of tweaking that you did in iPhoto's adjustments. You're not going to get the same kind of control that you get with Lightroom or with Aperture. I've tried tweaking an image that I tweaked in Lightroom and I got better results in Lightroom than I did in in Photos. So it's not going to be a miracle worker as in a case of a Pro app, but it's still pretty darn good. And I think that's what Apple is going for. It's the typical 90% of users are going to find this really helpful and are going to find editing much easier, either because in the past it was too confusing or people tried and they didn't know how to do it. and They ended up with bad results.
1: Oh, cool. That sounds great.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Naturally, there are going to be people that complain, but um, what I've seen so far indicates that Apple totally gets how people want to edit their images and um and then organize them so this isn't going to be for pros but pros do have other alternatives so um go forth pros and and use those alternatives i think
1: so when you adjust the the top slider the more basic one and then expand it are are the the kind of sub sliders below that already moved so you can sort of see like what it did
0: yeah and you can actually awesome Right, so you can expose the sub-sliders anyway, and you can just do the main slider, and you can see what it's doing. Mm -hmm. So that's a teachable moment. If you really care about how this works, you can say, oh, I see, I can actually improve my images by reducing brightness but increasing exposure, Mm -hmm. which seems counterintuitive, but when you see it the way the smart controllers do, you go, oh, okay. I kind of get the logic of how these controls work. So I would, yeah. I would suggest that people who want to do the easy-peasy editing, that they still flip it down to see what's happening. Sure. Because it may encourage you to do more um, fine-tuning. Because, it, you know, again, the, the main slider's pretty good, but you can still get in there and tune things so that they're a little bit better than they were. Um, other things, they have some new project templates. Currently in the beta, some of them are limited. You don't have as many themes as you did before for slideshows and for books. Uh, but now they let you print panoramas
1: oh nice
0: so if you have that really nice camera on your iphone 6 or your 6 plus and you've been taking these beautiful panorama shots now you can print them out as uh, as large as 36 inches i've seen one of these it looks really good um i'm not sure i would do that with an iphone 4 if they even let you do panoramas on that but the better the camera on your ios device uh, the better these things are going to look and and they're not expensive I, I think they're under 10 bucks or something.
1: Yeah, I have fun taking panoramas, but then I end up never doing anything with them Mm because they don't – like, it's hard to post them places. Right. They either get squished and then it's, you know, you have to zoom way in to see anything. So I feel like printing out a big, gorgeous panorama and putting it on the wall would be the best way to really show those off because, yeah, when you try to – use them online like the there's just way too many pixels for a monitor and then when you post them anywhere they end up looking like crap so <laughs>
0: right. no it's true because i tweet these things sometimes because you know i do my beach photo stuff right and i'll do this huge panorama and then i look at it on my iphone and go well, you can't see anything here. yeah it's just this long strip of blue i think most of the time so um uh, but they also let you do they have some new book formats which i think are really nice so They have square formatted books now.
1: Oh, square pictures, all the rage.
0: Square pictures, all the rage, and you can do books with them. And uh, they have some new templates for books. So it kind of encouraged me to go back and look at doing books again. I used to do them when my daughter was really young, and I'd send them to my mother. And now this has kind of encouraged me, like, yeah, maybe we'll just kind of do an updated one. Because working with books is a little bit easier than it was in the past and uh, the results are really nice looking the templates that they're working with now are just beautiful cool and i'm trying to think what else is important about f- photos other than it's gonna be free it'll be bundled right. so you will not have to pay for it um, again iPhoto and Aperture are going away you can import your iPhoto and your Aperture libraries into photos so you don't have to worry about losing your images there Mm-hmm and uh hmm. it got rid of
1: stars and went to just favorites, which matches what we have on iOS. But right. I liked how you pointed out in your most recent thing that if you have gone through your iPhoto or Aperture Library and meticulously rated every photo, those ratings aren't just gonna get wiped out, they're gonna be converted to tags. Right. So if you wanted to keep going with your rating, you could just, you know, create these tags and just tag things one star, two star, three star. So and then you could make, you know, smart albums based on those tags and do everything you did before, only instead of, you know, seeing the little stars, you'll just see the word three star. So I thought that was an, a, you know kind of a nice bone to throw people. I prefer the favorites things. It's like, you know, I like it or I don't. I was like, I mm. like this one one 20% more than I like this one like I don't know. That always just seemed a little too granular for me and like I don't you know, I don't like messing with files all the time is kind of a chore. But um but I do use that favorite thing when I'm going through on my iPhone and it makes a little um you know sub folder for that and so I can get to my favorites quicker. Um, so yeah, I thought that was nice. It seems like it's gonna it's gonna you know another step on Apple's you know path right now of bringing iOS and OS ten closer together. So so the apps that you use on both platforms um, you know seem like they fit together.
0: Yeah, I think this is another step in Apple recognizing the way people actually work with their stuff mm-hmm. versus the way people think they want to work with their stuff. So you're right with in terms of photos, most of us just want to say, yeah, I like that one or maybe that one, not so much. For people who want to use the, the rating stuff, as you say, all that stuff will be imported. You can also assign keywords. There's a, a window called a keyword manager. And if you have that open, you can create a keyword that reads four star, five star, one star, two star, three star. And then you can assign a keyboard shortcut to it, or actually, it'll assign the keyboard shortcut to it automatically. So if you're one of those people that would go through all their images and press keyboard shortcuts to assign ratings, you can still do that. And as you say, they still work in Smart Albums, they still work under Search. So you're not really losing anything, it's just that it takes this, having this keyboard manager window open to accomplish the ease of use that you used to get by just pressing a keyboard shortcut but it's there for those people that want it but again I think Apple probably recognized that most people don't parse their images that way particularly in a f- kind of a consumer photo editor organizer yes people do it much more in things like Lightroom and, and Aperture but I don't think they do it quite so much in iPhotos. so
1: yeah well, it's just like the volume of pictures that we take is so huge now. Mm-hmm. Before, if photos were your hobby, you know, like you, maybe you were working with smaller batches and now, I mean, we're taking so many. Um, I'd really love for a way, I, I saw that it um, it had some of the categories kind of automatically broken out, like the different kinds of shots that mm-hmm. you would take. So like videos and slow-mo and um, panoramas and stuff were all broken out. But what I really need is something. Um, I don't know if a lot of people use this, but for us, for our jobs, we take tons of screenshots. Oh yeah, and they're always backed up everywhere. And I'm like, you know, I, you know, I needed this screenshot for like the day after I took it, and now I don't need it anymore. I'm actually using an iOS app called Screeny that's made to um, isolate your screenshots and just help you kind of bulk delete them because there isn't a screenshot folder in that in the Photos app for iOS. So I was hoping there would be. You know, they would add that in maybe they use the occasion of photos for Mac coming out to, to add that in both places, because I take a lot of screenshots and they end up cluttering up my library and I have to go in and kind of batch delete them every once in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah and you're right. You could identify them with the Smart Album Yeah. Uh, using exif data like- Because they're all um, pings
1: and the the photos you take are JPEGs, so that's like an easy way to do it. But Right,
0: or you could even do it by size. Right, yeah, so the resolution
1: be, is the screen yeah. resolution instead of the photos, which are much, much bigger
0: right yeah i mean that's that's one way i get rid of that stuff is yeah. i just look for the screen resolution because it's always going to be that resolution and my camera never is that so right. that separates the the screenshots from the other but yeah I'd, and again i think that's one of those instances where like how many people really take screenshots? Yeah, you I and know. i do it yes, all the time tons. but i think normal people oh, I maybe. Maybe when they're capturing Snapchat from their buttons. Yeah,
1: I think it's maybe more than people think. I don't don't know, because I'm not a normal person, but normal people out there, like, do you take screenshots? I don't know. Like, my friends will take screenshots of, yeah, like some funny text conversation that Mm -hmm. they want to, you know, email someone and make fun of. But, um, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, Have we exhausted photos? Probably. (laughs) All right, right, enough of that. Um, Before we move on to the next thing, a word from Igloo, which is an internet that you'll actually like. Igloo is an internet that you'll actually like. It's a cloud platform that can help you do your best work. You can share files, update blogs, coordinate calendars, and manage projects. It's easy to use and easy to configure, even for the most non-technical of users. And it's built using responsive design, which means that everything that you can do at your desk, you can now do on the go on your phone. Whether you're a large enterprise stuck using SharePoint or a fast-growing business overwhelmed by apps, you can use Igloo to create an intranet that matches your brand's look and feel, simplifies how you work, and is accessible on your phone. Sign up now and try it for free at igloosoftware.com macworld. That's igloosoftware.com macworld. Okay, rumor of the day, iOS 9 may be the snow leopard of iOS. So explain what that means exactly.
1: Well, so iOS 7 like radically changed the look and feel of iOS, it went to the flat things, and then iOS 8 added a ton of new features, a lot of developer stuff, extensions and everything. So 9to5Mac reported today that according to their secret sources, that iOS 9 is going to be kind of like what Snow Leopard was to Leopard, which is like, yes, it's a new version, But it's not going to be touted as 400 new features, all new, 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 new. It's just going to be like they're going to go through and clean it up and work on getting the bugs out and getting the kinks and just kind of optimizing the code base after they've gone through so many iOS versions where they're just packing in features and new stuff. So uh, yeah, I mean Snow Leopard was r- a really great operating system yeah. and it did fix a ton of problems people had with Leopard and then yeah, like even after that people were like oh man, I wish I wish we could go back to Snow Leopard. Like I, you know, after Lion came out, we like Snow Leopard was so good and now it's you know, they're they're stuffing in new features again. So so yeah, that could be I mean, it's definitely not a shock or news that they're working on iOS 9, but um it could be you know, this could be sort of a departure if they get up at WWC this June and say, look, iOS 9 is not going to have 1,800 new features. It's going to have, you know, a couple dozen new features and a lot of just better performance and smoother. Um, yeah, just just work a little better. So that would be cool.
0: Yeah, I think people would welcome that. I think there's been a lot of feedback, particularly on this round of... OS updates Mm -hmm. with Yosemite and iOS and then iCloud, which is the third component, where people kind of feel like, you know, this really does not seem as finished as some other stuff in the past. Now, it could be our memory is selective, that, you know, what's happening to us now is more painful than what happened to us in the past. But I do think that there are features that were talked about and then didn't appear until an update or... Things like continuity where it isn't quite happening the way people thought it would or family sharing is not quite up to snuff. And I've seen kind of the tittle tattle of pundits around the Apple universe saying, yeah, they really kind of need to take a year not to do the big push for the new features, but really make the existing features work beautifully so that you can count on them every single time. And there are lots of areas they could explore here. Continuity is certainly one of them. Siri's pretty darn good, but, you know, Siri can always be improved in small ways. Um, Maps, I think, is much better than it used to be, but that could use some attention as well. The whole media handling thing could be touched upon. So I think that extending this out, I don't think it can just be iOS 9. I think it has to be also the next version of OS 10 because it... And iOS 9 and iCloud are now so linked that they really are sort of this triangle, uh, Uber operating system. You you can certainly use each one individually, but then none of them are as powerful as if you use them together. Right. If they work right. And that's the trick, is getting these things to work right. And I hope that there's some recognition at Apple that, okay, we pretty much have the stuff that we want to present to people. Yes, there can be a couple of new cool features, as there were with Snow Leopard, but not, like you say, do the, hey, 500 new features, half of which work reliably, and the other half, <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to those. Because um, I do think it's, a, it's an issue, and this is certainly not an original thought, that in some cases, marketing has caused iOS and OS 10 and iCloud to move forward more quickly than maybe some people would like because they want to have the big excitement for the, uh, the holiday season. You can't blame Apple for that. It's like, hey, we want to sell stuff and you know get you to buy it for the holidays. But um, I wonder if maybe it's it suffered some in the last couple of releases because of that schedule and that this isn't long overdue.
1: Well, do you remember um, how I think it was NBC used to do the whole like, if you haven't seen it, it's new to you, like thing on when they were promoting a, like a sitcom that was actually a rerun. <laughs> they <laughs> right. rerun an episode of Friends and be like, but you you probably didn't see it, so you should tune in and watch this Friends. So, iOS could kind of be like that. I mean, they're adding so much stuff now, even sort of that isn't all the way in the operating system. Like, there's HomeKit and there's CarPlay and there's Health and some of this stuff could be a little bit overlooked, and if they made it mm-hmm. work better, you know, they, they they could rewrite the health application and not add a lot of new stuff to it, but just make it make sense and make it something that people would want to use, and it could feel new, you know? They could say, okay, look, the new, meet the new features that were already there that you were totally ignoring. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> I think it's an excellent point, and also they're still waiting for third parties to catch up, mm-hmm. right? So they put all this stuff, in there, like okay, CarPlay, Health Kit, uh, the home stuff, but they need people to participate in that, right? right for yeah. it to be useful. So if they've got all the hooks in there, and then it maybe it takes third parties a year to really start implementing this in a big way. You're right. With iOS nine, it may feel new because wow, look at all the stuff that works here. Yeah, mm, yeah, it could have worked before, but we didn't have the people participating, but now we do, and check that out. So um, yeah, and I. I think people are going to be concerned, and mostly people who don't pay that much attention to Apple other than to make fun of it. Um, they'll say, oh, well, you know, this shows that Apple's losing. And, and this is a bad message that Apple no longer innovates. You know, We'll hear that again. Right. Um, but I think Apple's really good at this. They did that with Snow Leopard. They did it, in a sense, with Mountain Lion. And as long as they come out and just say, hey, we're working on a bunch of stuff that's going to make this more awesome. Um and it's going to it's going to work better and you're going to like it. I don't think that people are going to suddenly say, "Oh, that's it for Apple." Yeah. For Apple.
1: I wonder if it would have been different if they had done this kind of so the iPhone is on a cycle where it's like a big design change one year and then the next year they get the S version and it sort of looks the same from the outside but it has a better camera, a faster processor, mm-hmm. yada yada. So if they do this kind of like, it's just a better operating system, but without a lot of new bells and whistles, the same year that they don't really add a lot of bells and whistles to the iPhone, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think we could see some major complaining from the people that, you know, don't really get it and like to complain about that stuff. Right. So maybe they would have been better to do this kind of on a splashy iPhone year where like the hardware was selling the iPhone. But... I mean, it's not like you, ne- you never needed to buy a new iPhone to necessarily take advantage of the new version of iOS, so it might not be a big deal. I mean, Apple sold so many iPhones this year that I don't see that train slowing down, but you never know. I think there'll be a lot yeah. of uh, think pieces that we, we shake our heads and slap our foreheads, so.
0: Good. Looking well, forward to those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we may actually write some of them. Yeah. Well, not the head slapping part, but you know, I think there's something to consider here, and you know? and that does make sense that you have the splashy iPhone and you got the big splashy uh, operating system update with new features because obviously they're going to want to take advantage of the new hardware capabilities built into the thing, and so you're going to have to tweak the operating system for that. But you're right, with the S version, then it's like, yeah, we've improved it some. Um, you know, stuff that you'll be sorry that you bought the previous one and you should have waited. <laughs> but, um, but still, you know, and, and that same kind of update in the operating system where like, yeah, it's just, but we've added kind of the plus. We've polished. It's, it's sheenier than it, uh, than it was previous to this. Oh, I, I saw another rumor. Oh, good. <laughs> but it's sort of like, Throw it on ooh. the pile. I'll <laughs> oh, throw it on the pile. And this is sort of like, ooh. Uh, oh, uh, so it's one of those ooh, oh rumors which is um they're talking about a new macbook air releasing sometime in february and it, and the headline makes you think ooh, it's going to be the 12 inch r- rumored thing you know macbook there's going to be like retina and it's going to be all this battery stuff and it's going to be t- terribly cool and then you read down in the story you realize oh no it's going to be a speed bump yeah <laughs> so <laughs> that's it right i mean we're going to get fast, maybe we're going to get faster. Well, it'll MacBook be a Air new sp-
1: chipset, I guess. So the MacBook Airs now are using, uh, oh, I know this, Haswell, I think. And um, the Broadcom chips, the next uh, generation of Intel chips, um, were delayed. So we haven't seen a MacBook Air refresh since last April, and those were still Haswell chips, just, you know, bump, uh, better clock speed. So these will have a new, um, you know, allegedly will have a new Broadwell chip. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it won't be a different looking MacBook Air with different ports and different screen size, retina, like n- none of that. It would just be, it would be a clock bump, but also with the new um, chipsets, you usually get a lot better power um, you know, uh, efficiency. So I mm-hmm. remember when I started here that we were sort of waiting for the Haswell chips and IT was gonna buy me my new MacBook Air for my work machine and their, you know, supplier, their uh, like corporate rep at Apple was like, um, maybe you don't buy it today. And then like <laughs> a couple of weeks later the Haswell ones came out. So I was thrilled because all of a sudden I had this machine that could last like eight hours on a charge, this thing just keeps going and going. So that's beautiful, and that will be, um, you know, hopefully that'll be a new feature of, of Broadwell. Because when when Intel updates these, like that's usually w- one of the biggest selling points for end users like us is that yeah they're they're gonna go and go on uh, one charge. So that's good. But yeah, these won't be. According to this rumor, they won't be the uh, the, the flashy new ones that Nine to Five Mac reported on. I think last month.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the th- new chipsets make a difference, other than the fact that they're faster and and all that stuff but really if we're going to get a retina display we need a main processor that's going to use very little power and we need improved battery technology because yes maybe you're going to get a retina display but if it's only going to last for two hours that's an unhappy thing yeah that's a step back yeah so i think we're still waiting for that technology to come into place get the right processors there they're building better battery technology into the operating system so uh, the OS is much smarter about not hitting your processor for uh, for certain tasks when it doesn't need to, which is going to help with battery, but um, apparently the we don't have the steps necessary yet so that we can run a Retina display, but I have to think that's coming in the next year, year and a half. It seems an obvious thing to do, and, uh, and Apple seems to be uh, capable of working miracles every so often, so...
1: And the last time they bumped the processors in the MacBook Air, they also lowered the price a little bit. So maybe maybe they could do that again before they bring out the new one. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I would think with the speed bump, though, they're, they're not going to wait, like, another six weeks and say, hey, guess what? Now we have the 12-inch one.
1: Uh. Yeah, this would probably push the 12-inch one
0: out a little bit. Last thing we have is something you brought up.
1: Uh, speaking of iOS, iOS 8.3 was ceded to developers today. And um, it's got a few cool things in it. There's a uh, new emoji, which is really
0: exciting. <laughs> okay, so what? Because you pointed this out, you know, when, when we were talking about what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, what's the new emoji?
1: I don't even know what the new emoji is. I'm just like all giddy over the prospect of some <laughs> new emoji. And I was such an emoji hater for such a long time. And then. What turned you? I don't know. I just, all of a sudden, emojis is totally a gateway drug. Like once you sign off on your first like text with a little cow in the back, you're like, that was fun. I want to do that again. And then you just kind of, it's a slippery slope into the emoji dungeon. So yeah, uh, hopefully there will be lots of new emoji. We need, we need a taco emoji. We need a burrito emoji. Um, There's a lot of, there's a lot of room for improvement there. Um, oh, you know, actually,
0: they, there was talk, and this series, like six months ago, there was talk that Apple was going to um, include emoji that were more politically correct.
1: Yes, there's or, a lack of diversity in the yeah. emoji of today. And that's, yeah, that it's kind of annoying that the yeah, only so emoji have... of color is like there's an Indian guy wearing a turban and stuff. And you're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, yeah.
0: I, and they're going to have same sex couples.
1: Yeah, nine to five Mac had a screenshot, and I couldn't really tell if if any of those were new. But I haven't. I I need to bust out my emoji keyboard and do some side to side comparison. I just need to get this, this, uh, this uh, beta, I guess. So, did you
0: sign up for the? um, Did you sign up for that emoji social networking service? Yes, I did. Have you used it at all?
1: No. They sent me an email saying (laughs) that I I claimed my username. I don't even remember what it was, but I think it was awesome. I think it was like Wave Rocket Ship or something. So, yeah, I need to go and make uh, – they gave me a deadline to go and, like, recertify that I actually want that. And then I can join the All Emoji Social Network, which sounds like minutes of fun, but – Yeah,
0: (laughs) it is kind of I signed up for it as well. I can't even remember what my uh, my handle is because it has to be emoji, too. Yeah. And um, and I tried it when it first launched and and we'll put links to it in the show notes because maybe people have have formed a community around this thing. But um, I then go in and and look at other people's. I don't know what you call them. They're not tweets. They're whatever. people
1: do hilarious stuff with emoji. I think after the most recent State of the Union, like someone had a State of the Union like transcript that was all done
0: in emoji. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and they try to translate like Shakespeare into emoji and stuff, and it's hilarious. But okay. um, the 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 thing that th- that's not even getting the most attention. The the stories that have been written about this 8.3 beta. The big thing that they're calling out is that um, CarPlay would get uh... wireless support so right now in carplay you have to be hooked up like with the lightning cable and they install that in your car when they put in your carplay stereo and they put in a little microphone for series so this is a professional install it's not i mean you could install it yourself but you know unless you're a car stereo nerd you'd probably take it to the pros and have them do it since there's all these parts um, but yeah they're it's gonna have bluetooth support so you don't have to plug in your phone But as someone who's used three different CarPlay stereos now, like, eh, I don't think so. Because, so everything in CarPlay is in your phone. Like, there's nothing installed. Like, the the screen that's in your car is just a screen. And it's just showing you stuff that's on your phone. You're talking to Siri. All that is going from your stereo to your phone um, right now over the wire. But if it goes over Bluetooth, that's just, I don't know. So you're navigating, you're streaming music, and then you're sending all of that information constantly from your phone to Bluetooth, um, to your CarPlay Stereo over Bluetooth, I think that would hit your battery a little too much. I don't know. I mean, like, you're in the car, you're not going anywhere, you might as well plug your phone in, and then it's all charged up when you get there. So I don't know if I'll use that. I mean, the the, the car stereo that I like best was the Alpine ILX007, and it doesn't even have Bluetooth, so... <laughs> So um, maybe the new cars, they'll they'll figure it out. But, yeah, I wasn't that excited about that. So I guess that's it's good that it's in iOS 8.3 and not iOS 9, because I'd be like, eh, mm, boring.
0: Yeah, I mean, in my car, because I don't have a, the fancy stuff in my car, um, but I do have what we used to call cigarette lighters. Oh, yeah, there. I remember those. Yeah, I remember those. Uh, not that they'd actually... I don't think you can get the cigarette lighter attachment anymore, but they does have the receptacle. So I just, you know, spent eight bucks on the power thing and I jack it in there and I plug the USB to lightning in there. So I still charge my phone and I could still do all the wireless stuff. So it's kludgy because you, you know, you have to have the thing connected to power but that is one solution so that you're not going in there with a naked iPhone and then drive for 2 hours and then it's completely drained whenever you get to where yeah. you
1: Yeah. The last time I rented a car, I could pair my phone to it with Bluetooth. And yeah, I mean, I drove 40 minutes and my phone had just gone down so much cuz when you're when you're navigating, like that takes that takes some cycles.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's I actually pack one of those things with me if I'm going to go rent a car somewhere. Yeah. Sometimes they'll include something. Uh, but not always so it's not a bad thing to just throw in your bag and you get into a rental car and realize oh i really i have no idea where i am and you don't want to pay them at the counter right for the yeah 20 year old gps that they give you with sandbags on it
1: and you just got off the plane so your phone's been you know used for hours <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, right
0: so just... you just jack it into the power receptacle assuming i think everybody has them now yeah um, and but don't. Smoke. And that car
1: actually had a USB port to charge, but it was kind of hidden, like between the two seats, and I didn't find ah. it until like the day before I returned the car. I'm just like, there you are. Where were <laughs> where were you three days ago?
0: Yeah. So that's that's one option, but um, yeah, I think that's perfectly fine. I have wireless, so you don't have to. Car,
1: I mean the car play stereo. The aftermarket car play stereos I've tried so far aren't really worth the money just yet. So I guess you know we're moving towards n- making them um, you know attractive to people mm-hmm. who want are going to want to shell out all this money. So I guess wirelessness is a cool feature, but I don't know. I, I don't mind plugging it in, in the car. So.
0: Okay, because I was going to ask you if there was any CarPlay system out there that was worth it. Not
1: really. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. I mean, it's kind
1: of cool because you're like, oh wow, everything. You don't have to install any apps. Like, they're just it uses the apps that are already on your phone. You don't have to log in because your phone is already logged in. Like, if you're going to use Spotify or whatever, um, that's nice. Like, all your contacts are already in there, so you don't have to like type in anyone's address. You just mm-hmm. say I'm going to Chris's house, and it just finds you. So. So, it's convenient, but the prices are still really high on the aftermarket ones, and the touch screens are kind of meh. And, you know, if when Siri understands you, it's great, but when it doesn't, it's really frustrating, and you end up just picking up your phone and doing it the old fashioned way. So, um, yeah i don't know i'm kind of a cheapskate and i would not spend 700 bucks on any of these that they have out now but you know if it came in a new car i was buying i i wouldn't have them take it out
0: okay well uh i guess what we can say is that we're grateful that this episode of the podcast is not sponsored by (laughs) any of the people who make these things i'll
1: keep looking at them and i'm i'm sure they'll get it they'll get it soon
0: yeah, let us know. Uh, <laughs> car stereo manufacturers out there, when you make something that's really good and affordable, yeah. Uh, we'll Kenwood has
1: one that I haven't tried yet that they announced at CES, so maybe Kenwood nailed it.
0: Right. But I, I think you're right. I think the technology is again, as we were talking about earlier, that Apple's baked this stuff into their operating system, but they're still waiting for the um, third parties to jump. And it was the same way when the, the iPod first came out, that everybody was sort of saying, oh, yeah, iPod integration here. We're going to kind of put this weird dock in your car and like uh, put wires hanging out loose all over the place. And Look, you can have an iPod. And it was bad, and it took a couple of years before finally there was the kind of integration that, like, oh, this doesn't look horrible, and it works really well. Yeah. And if, Maybe that's what we're looking at here. And too. if you're
1: not navigating a lot and you're not streaming music, um, you know, it would be nice to just have your iPhone still in your purse and y- you could get a text and Siri could read it to you and you wouldn't have to dig it out. So so that's an advantage, I guess, for wireless CarPlay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we will look forward to that when it becomes a reality and that we have actual players that we enjoy using. Yeah. Um, I'm done. You?
1: Yeah, that's good. Okay.
0: In that case, we will say that wraps up another episode of the Macworld Podcast. Brought to you by Igloo, an intranet you'll actually like. If you have any comments or questions, drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. And thanks very much for listening.